Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Women's Center podcast. This episode, I'm sitting down with my dear friend Neha to talk about what it's like to be queer and South Asian on campus, at home, and all the differences in between. We're going to be talking about all the different little ideas and perspectives we've gathered. And as always, it's a very free-form conversation. But this one's a really personal one. And I hope others like us who are seeking community find our voices helpful. And to reiterate something we say at the end of the podcast, please, please, please feel free to reach out to us. We're always here as not only a helping hand or to talk, but to also be friends. Forming community within queer spaces is incredibly important, especially for people of color whose other identities can combine to form incredibly complex intersections. Um, But we're all unpacking together and we don't have to do these things alone. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this special episode. Okay. I'll just jump right into it. I guess I'll say, like, do you want to introduce yourself to all of the listeners, all of the, like, four people listening, two of them being my mom and my dad? Oh, my God. Hi, <laughs> listeners. Hi, auntie and uncle. <laughs> um, I'm Neha. I am Shrika's friend, but also <laughs> uh, I'm a senior at Tufts here. I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I study. Whatever you want to. I study psychology. That's some studies. Um I'm South Asian, which is a to- important for what for we're going to talk about. For this topic today. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot less structure, so I'm apologizing for that ahead of time. Um, but wait, I want to do an icebreaker question before I introduce. Okay. Let me think about a good one. Have you had any recent good icebreaker questions that you feel like? Good question. I've been asking... That's the icebreaker question, actually. Um, I like question. the question... Well, I have a f- I have one that I like asking people in general, but I feel like I've asked you probably asked you this before. What? But if you um could either have the ability to be completely fluent in every language ever, mm-hmm. or be like an expert and like essentially like the equivalency of fluency, the the equivalent of fluent. <laughs> Why did I say that a different <laughs> way? <laughs> Um, of every like instrument ever in you've, the world, you've asked this, which yeah. one would you choose? I think I said the same thing I um, said last time that I would this time, which is language. Mm-hmm. I just think it's more like worthwhile to me. Yeah, just like in terms of I don't know. I, I think, think it's people. interesting. I think the yeah the question is so hard for me to answer because like I think of music as like a a a different way of communicating with people yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that feels more like emotional no, for me personally so like music has been like a huge way that i learn yeah. about other people yeah and like other experiences so it would be interesting to be able to like engage in that no i really like that but also i don't know what my answer would be because i also think like being fluent in every language is like makes traveling so accessible and like traveling in a non-touristy way Ooh. really accessible i do like that yeah but also like music and dance have been really important parts of my life too so it's like so your answer to your own icebreaker question is i don't know correct okay (laughs) leading into today's topic so you framed it as sexuality gender parentheses fluidity of both of those in south asian spaces parentheses at home (laughs) spaces at tufts yeah it's like a very uh jumbled thought but i think like the idea of like fluidity and like not having labels Mm -hmm. was like something that like is very intriguing for me and like south asian spaces Mm 
like specifically I think like at Tufts it's been different than like Southeast South Asian spaces at home versus like anywhere else also um or like I think specific pockets of Tufts um but yeah I think like even within like the South Asian spaces at Tufts there's like a lot of different dynamics Mm -hmm. so it's just like I think like I don't know I think I was like I I would love to have like an a conversation that's explicitly about that and like because I don't think I've had that Mm -hmm. before and um I think like uh, already like gender and sexuality are, are like difficult topics in any sort of like immigrant household but then also to be like this is something I'm feeling but I I literally can't define it for you like it's fluid yeah it's like hard to explain um but also like interesting to think back to like pre-colonial ideas of when that fluidity was like natural and existed yeah. so like why does it exist why is it so awkward now yeah yeah well maybe we can start with like why you wanted to talk about this topic in the first place because you already do- like started talking about like oh it's kind of like not really that talked about or only talked about in like certain pockets or things like that but do you feel and you don't have to like share any of this you're not comfortable with answering like we are talking about things that are very like personal in a very public way even if there's not that many people listening in it's just like it's on the internet it exists and it'll be attached to your name so yeah it's a very like I, I, this sounds cheesy, but it is a brave thing to do. And I think I'm not going to speak for you. I'll speak for myself. Like, I think a lot of the times when I'm doing like this podcast series and I'm talking about like my own gender, sexuality, I'm like, wow, I'm so fucking like privileged to be able to do this because mm-hmm. like I come from a space where like I'm out to my parents now yeah. officially. So I don't have like the fear of backlash that so many people I feel like in, in around like this campus might have. Um, but yeah, I'll let you carry on from there. No, I was going to say something really similar is that like, I do like right now I could speak about all of this super openly because like, I do have the privilege of being out to my family Mm. or like my parents and like, because I have, yeah, yeah. aspects on on parents. (laughs) Yeah. Just my parents and like cousins, but like, um, yeah, not my, not my extended family, but like that, even that, like, I know that my parents have my back if any shit goes down so like that's it that's an that's important. really nice um also my sister she could kick ass like I, <laughs> like my sister has my back but um you know people have inklings about us anyways because my sister is like not very sh- like straight presenting <laughs> she's not straight presenting so like i'm sure people think she's yeah. queer well not- maybe we can get into that i don't want to cut you off but like i've always felt like i don't know kind of the topic of like straight presenting queer presenting has always been very interesting to me not just in like context of queer spaces but like in south asian spaces as well yeah i think like it it was actually really hard for me to like join queer spaces queer south asian spaces at first like took me a couple years i got myself there yeah a couple years we talked about this and it's just because like i feel like i benefit from a lot of privilege that people don't I don't face too much, like, social discrimination based off of my sexuality because, like, I'm very feminine presenting. I don't really... I don't think I dress that femininely, but I think just, like, the way that, like, my hair and, like, clothes fit on my body. Like, different aspects of it, like, people see me as straight. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember, like, joining queer spaces. Like, 
I would always be like, yeah, I, everyone thinks I'm straight. Everyone thinks I'm straight. And like, actually, Malvi was like, Neha, you don't. Like, I never thought you were straight. <laughs> and I was like, no. And I felt almost like guilty um, entering spaces, like queer affinity spaces, because I was like, I just did not go through these same, like, I feel bad. Like, I didn't go through any struggle. Like, I went to a high school where queerness was, like, so accepted that I didn't even have to come out. I just started, like, kissing girls and, like, people were like, okay, like. She's doing that. She's doing that. Like, it, it didn't have to be anything that I, like, defined or, like, aggressively labeled. I had, like, my own struggle coming to terms with it, but I was so supported through that by my friends that I, yeah. like, didn't really face any, like, real discrimination based off of it. Yeah. So it was, like hard for me to do that and I think because I didn't have to like go through like too much discrimination based off of it it wasn't like and I've never been someone that ex expresses myself through fashion like that has just never been me I'm not like visually <laughs> creative like that so I think you I've are, always but fashion isn't the... okay fine <laughs> no like yeah and I think like yeah I've always just like dressed like quote-unquote basically like Okay, I that's a whole other can of worms. I disagree <laughs> with the way we framed that. No, no, like that's why I have it in air quotes. Like yes. I have like my classic. There were air quotes. <laughs> there were air quotes. Um, like, I have my like classic fits that yeah. I think like I would wear, and it doesn't draw eyes. Yeah. Like people be like, "Oh, that's cute," but it's not like whoa, like yeah. that stands out, or that's like, like something that you don't yeah. see every day, or like, oh, she, I could tell she really put in effort into her outfit um and I think like um well I don't know you're I feel like you're getting to something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while just about like like the being queer at campus is like the, there's a way to be queer and like mm -hmm. even just you talking about like the way people are dressing and stuff like that I remember having a lot of imposter syndrome going into like those same queer spaces and I get the idea of, like, feeling like, oh, am I deserving to be in this space? But I guess so I leaned in more because I was like, I want to be deserving to be in that space. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And then I found myself struggling for so long because, like, I felt like it took a very specific niche type mm -hmm. of whatever that was, like, I don't know. It's just aligned in a lot of, like, a different form of, like, normativity. Again. Exactly. I think you're hitting on, like, what I've been trying to articulate. Okay. <laughs> No, sorry. I was, like, also cutting you off. So no, you're probably just getting no. there. No, no, I was not getting I would not have <laughs> used those words. Like, but those are the words I would have wanted to use. Oh, slay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, like, this idea of, like, wanting to fit in, almost, like, for me, I was, like, it almost is easier for me to exist in straight spaces where I don't have to, like, put effort into what I'm wearing to feel like I fit in. Yeah. And, like, I think... Shout out to Queer Daisies, Love Queer Daisies. The first meeting that I went to was about fashion and um, it freaked me out and I like didn't go back for a while, but I had a lot of like super, super close friends that went all the time. So I was like, okay, I'll go back. And then it was a wonderful experience for me. And like, I'm sad my, the meeting times don't work in my schedule anymore because it was like such an important space for me, but it took so much for me to go there because like, yeah. I almost like kind of like gaslit myself that like, I wasn't queer enough to be in those spaces or yeah. I didn't experience the right type of, like, I didn't have, like, that queer experience of being, like, shut out or, like, socially, like, excluded. But, like, I think after going to those meetings, it validated me a lot because, like, I still had the same internal struggles. I was, like, met with a lot of support, which I'm very privileged and, like, lucky. But it's still, like, I still, like, my queer spaces were never South Asian until I entered Queer Daisies. And then, like, suddenly I could talk. 
I had like this group of people that I could talk to about like, you know, like queer spaces where race isn't talked about or like queer spaces where like your South Asian identity is actually like really important. And like, it was nice, but it took me a while to get there because like, I don't know, I don't wear like huge like basic jewelry or like yeah. no the diasporic fashion that yeah. accompanies like south queer south asian spaces is like beautiful and also I really hard it. to yeah keep up with because i think it also comes a, a bit with like you cultivate that identity like for a while mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and if yeah. there's like i'm speaking again to my own experiences but like when i haven't i haven't been even like in those two realms entirely differently like my South Asianness is something I only had recently begun to start tackling in like junior year of high school. And then like my queerness, like I was just like, I was in denial until yeah. like maybe the summer before freshman year. And yeah. so like to hit, have both of those identities like fused together and like hit so tangibly, for lack yeah. of a better word, it's it can be really overwhelming, I feel like. Like you no, don't even know sure. where to... I think, like, it's also, like, interesting to think about, like, queerness as, like, an umbrella term. Mm. Because, like, for me, I love, I like the label queer because it's vague and gives me room to, like, yeah. change how I'm feeling. Yeah. But I was talking to my sister about this. I think we, like, perceive the world really differently. So I love having conversations. Yeah, yeah. She loves labels. It, like, gives her a sense of comfort. Yeah. And so for her, like entering queer spaces and like coming out was like we came out together so it ended up like not being too different but it was like I think like for her it's she was talking about how like she loves labels because one it feels safer for her but it's also like easier to explain to other people which is like a huge part of why she loves labels and I was like I just don't feel like I like any of the the terms which is totally fine and and in general I just like don't like limiting myself with labels so I was like also thinking about how like entering queer spaces like for me to be like I'm just queer like I don't really know how to define like my sexuality and like even my gender which is something like I feel like I've been denying exploring for a while too um but it's like me my like gender identity and like feeling like a woman I feel like is like so linked to being South Asian like in white spaces I don't feel like a woman like really but like mm-hmm. in south asian spaces i do and yeah. i think that's like weird and i've talked about this I think. yeah and i think like my gender is like so directly linked to my like not even like south asianness but my like thumberness yeah like and and like my family so it's like i don't yeah like it's interesting yeah no keep going but it was like weird because I was like I almost don't feel comfortable entering entering queer spaces because I present like so outwardly privileged like I could enter straight spaces and not like have anyone bat an eye at me like I could enter like like cisgender spaces and like not have any like I still use she her pronouns like I'm not like I like those pronouns for myself so I'm not like trying to like so there's no way someone could like perceive me as like anything other than a straight cis woman unless I say something about it yeah like or unless they're like queer themselves or just understand that we should never be assuming any of these things yeah exactly so it was like almost hard for me to enter those spaces and be like oh like I don't really like any labels blah 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 because I could see like 
I had, like, this internal idea that, like, people would judge me for that and be, like, why aren't you, like, owning up to your, like, gayness? Like, why aren't you proud of it? I definitely had the same kind of emotion. I do want to circle back quickly about the whole, like, identity, like, labels thing because when you were saying that, and this isn't necessarily true for everyone, but I found it in my experiences as well to, like, have labels be very um, helpful when coming out to my parents or trying to explain things to them because those are things that they're already familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like, if I get into, like, the whole background of, like, sexual fluidity and blah, 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 and, like, mm-hmm. even though that's how I do feel about myself, I'm sure I can talk to it about them, like, or talk about that to them one day. But at this point, I'm like, they don't even understand. Like, it was going to be a-, a struggle to get them to even conceptually understand that, like, not being straight is, like, a valid orientation let alone like the spectrum of where you can be placed at yeah no and like I when people ask me I'm like I'm not straight like that's my answer and like so many times like South Asian people will be like oh so you're bisexual and then they just like keep talking about me like I'm bisexual but I've never said those words about myself like I've never been like I'm bisexual it just doesn't feel correct and I can't explain why we'll say also I think I've noticed that people will tend to label people this is a whole different whatever as bi when you have a certain again proximity to like straightness again Mm -hmm. and then you were talking you started to talk about gender within south asian spaces versus white spaces and i want to dive more into that because Mm -hmm. i feel like i've had a similar but different experience as well in that like i felt i was at points some of the most masculinized which is something i am fine with if it's done for, like, the right reasons. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? No, I But, like, that. masculinized in, like, a really harmful way when I was in South Asian spaces. And not to say that I, that didn't happen when I was in white spaces, because it definitely did. Like, a lot of women of color will go through that. If you're darker skin, you'll go through that. Um, but sometimes, like, white people here, white people, white society, like, if I'm dressing in a certain, like, femme-type way, will more easily, like, associate me with being femme than, like, South Asian spaces will ever, like, dare to. Yeah. Which is, like, incredibly frustrating, Mm -hmm. but I think was, like, pretty formative in, like, pushing me into starting to, like, journey into the topic of, like, gender. Yeah. And a lot of it now is also, like, parsing out, like, it's so hard to think about, like, how much of this is inherently coming from how, like, I feel Mm -hmm. versus shaped by how people are treating me. Yeah, how you're socialized. Yeah, which isn't, I don't know, like, at the end of the day, we live in a society, right? and I don't <laughs> think that's, do. like, a bad thing, but... So I want to hear your opinion no, on that. No, that's so interesting, because I do think, like, we have similar experiences in how our, like, gender is, like, really linked to how we were treated in, like, cultural spaces or, like, familial spaces, but it was, like, almost the opposite for me, where I feel, like, so much like a woman when I'm in South Asian spaces, because I think I, like, embody... Um, like the good brown woman, like, ca- like characteristics so much, and I think it's like, well, I watch my mom and my grandma, who like I think I'm very similar to, mm-hmm. also embody those, and I think like they're like women in my life that I'm like these are women, and I like see how similar I am to them, so I'm like I'm a woman, mm-hmm. but it's like very related to my family, yeah. um, and it's like, I like look at the the roles like women have played and it's like mediators caretakers like um like 
when I lo- I don't like really like wearing skirts and dresses like when I dress westernly <laughs> like I wear lots of pants lots of people have told me I sit like a man and I do like I'm an aggressive man spreader when I'm like <laughs> sitting like I don't know like I I like sitting comfortably mm-hmm. and with my legs apart and like oh. Skirts and dresses were never it for me because I felt very, like, exposed when I did that. Um, And so, like, I think, like, dressing, it's, like, linked to the way I've dressed up. But I love dressing super femininely when I'm, like, or, like, when I get ready for, like, summer functions or, like, Indian functions or, like, I love dressing up with, like, my hair braided or in a low bun and, like, a blouse and, like skirt or like a, a half sorry like I feel very like beautiful in those like mm. clothes and I think like that's part of why I feel so connected to femininity that's so interesting. whereas like when I when I'm like in western clothes I'm like give me the baggies pair of pants like yeah. I'll wear a hoodie like literally I like any outfit that I wear almost any outfit that I wear like a guy could wear it and it wouldn't be perceived as like a feminine outfit um which goes back to like okay like I always see myself as someone that doesn't express myself through clothes but like maybe uh, maybe I do I'm realizing as I'm speaking but um I was just gonna say because it seems like there's a lot of like identity attached to like clothing but I think like for me I've always seen as like clothing I don't like people like seeing me in my clothes and it being like a pop-out thing like I like be I like say attention. Like, Will you say more on pop out? I don't know. That was terribly phrased. Okay. But let me explain. <laughs> I like attention, um, but the attention has to be about like me and what I'm saying and my oh, personality. Right. And I I hate attention drawn to me based off how I like visually present myself. You that is so I've also felt like really wildly uncomfortable. I always tell people that whenever someone compliments me on something I immediately have, like, a more, like, a strange relationship to that, like, article of clothing or that, like, aspect of my, like, physical appearance because I don't want people to, like, just judge me on that, like, surface level thing. Yeah. But I also feel like fashion has been such an important part to queer culture that I'm discovering that when people compliment me on my outfits these days and I feel like it's coded, like, hyperfemme or something like that, you know, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah like, all those labels, I get, like, a high off of it because I feel like it's, like, a part of my identity I'm finally tapping into. But it's really interesting that you said it's, like, could be the opposite or done in a different way because I think Mm -hmm. that's so, like, real. Yeah, and I think, like, part of my clothes is, like, a representation of how I'm just trying to, like, blend. (laughs) Okay, so, like, in South Asian spaces, that means, like, I present very femininely and that's how I feel like I I blend. But, like, in... In, like, non-South Asian spaces or, like, I don't know, like, more, like, racially diverse spaces, like, I feel like I blend in by not being as feminine. Like, wearing dresses is so deeply uncomfortable for me, but it's not even, like, like, it's not even, like, um, oh, it's, like, a really, like, out there dress and people are noticing the fact that like, these colors or, like, this design, but it's, like, I'm in a dress and people are perceiving me as, like, very feminine right now, and that's not me, and so it's, like, interesting, like, I had to wear a a pink floral dress for my cousin's wedding, um, and I hated it, I hated it so much, but then, like, I put it on and I was, like, okay, it's fine, and I don't know why I was, like, so, like, 
opposed mm-hmm. to wearing this dress. I have a question for you then. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your like situational femininity or masculinity, as we're calling it, is like tied to your feeling of gender in that moment? Maybe. I don't know. Like, that's, like, the question. And I'm, like, I literally don't know. And then I'm, like, what does it even mean to, like, feel like a girl? Yeah. I don't know. Like, gender is a very confusing concept for me. Have you ever heard anything about, like, gender abolition? No. Oh. Okay. Like, yes, but I Probably. You'll probably understand. It's literally, it's making something academic and literary. You've deaf encountered, probably, Mm -hmm. or thought about it this way. I just conceptualized mm-hmm. through academia i'm sorry that's a toxic trait but i'm working <laughs> on it um but um i don't know the most about it but from what i've looked into it briefly and like had conversations with people about it's basically like a more nihilist lol perspective about how like we if gender is like causing so much harm and blah 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 and these constructs are all constructs then we should be like aiming towards like getting rid of gender as like labels overall and like then as a consequence also the labels of like masculinity femininity and their ties to each other which could be a very beautiful thing but the kickback is also like for so many people like you were saying your sister labels are super important and like validating so you can't just be like in my opinion this is my opinion like you can't just be like all or nothing about this situation but I do think that like concept behind it is really intriguing because i think it comes up a lot when i'm talking to people about like i don't even know what it is blah 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 Mm -hmm. and it leads me into that direction just as like a thought experiment not as something we'd actually like have to no that's interesting but i'm like even as i'm like i don't know what gender is like it's so hard for me to explain it like it's almost hard for me to let go like even listening to you say that i was like but but yeah but (laughs) but i don't know if that's just like how we've been like aggressively socialized to think but I'm also like my South Asian-ness is so linked to my gender like I could not explain being like I I, like make this joke with my sister a lot but I'm like the first daughter of an immigrant household or like a first daughter of like a South Asian immigrant household and like just that statement explains like so much about my personality which is like sad but also like true (laughs) It's, like, a joke, but it's also, like, so true. And, like, the role that I played in my family is, like, directly linked to my gender. And, like, I was a daughter and I was a first daughter. So, like, I was taking on a huge emotional responsibility, like, for my... And I continue to do so. Like, the fact that, like, my... I have, like, extended family members confide in me. And, like, if my like aunt and uncle talk to my parents about an issue they're having they come to me for advice like it's an interesting role to play and I don't think I would be playing that role if I was a boy or a man and like but then I guess like if gender was never a thing to to begin with like we wouldn't be socialized to take on those roles in the same way and I think like like labels like you were saying like play like sort of a dual role where it's like comforting for you to like know like oh like, what I'm experiencing, like, all of these people who identify this way also experience, and I, like, have this community, but then it's also, like, to almost serve, like, ignorant people yeah. who need that label to be able to understand what you're experiencing, yeah. which can be, like, way more nuanced yeah. than that label itself. Even then, it's, like, finding immediate community with people with the same label, yeah, important, but it's, like, 
not always the most accurate. Like, who's yeah. to say that, like, your experiences are anything like another person with those, yeah. like, even exact same, like, identity markers? No, exactly. I think about, like, not to bring up my sister again. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. You love your sister. I love my sister. <laughs> Shout out to Magna. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I think we share so many identity markers, like, but we, I would say we live very different lives and perceive the world very differently and the world treats us very differently. Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, some of, like, the biggest, like, identity markers that people bring up, like, in conversations about, like, intersectionality and, like, identity and race and gender and sexuality, like, me and my sister share those identities. When you were talking about your sister, so much, it's not related exactly, but I just think about, like, I want to know more about what it's like to kind of, like, have a more intimate ally kind of going into that. It's actually funny because, like, my sister and I, like, when I came out to her, she came out, she came back out to me. Um, But basically lots of members of my family in our generation are queer, and so we, like, make this joke that it must be, like, hereditary, and there's someone in our parents' generation or grandparents' generation that's just, like closeted and like maybe that's not true um but it could be but I think like it's it was almost like a surreal experience for me to be like I'm queer hi like family who I was so afraid like I think like the hardest people for me to come out to were like like cousins and like family friends yeah who knew me from when I was a kid as like very straight and that was because I was like almost boy crazy um (laughs) But I, like, think back to that, and I'm, like, I said I had a crush on maybe, like, 20 boys that I just, like, wanted to be friends with, and I didn't know the difference because I was just taught that, like, oh, if you like a boy, it means you like, like, a boy. And so I was, like, okay, I have a crush on this boy and this boy and this boy and this boy. (laughs) Or we know the proper terminology is frush. Frush. I have so many frushes. Um, (laughs) But, like, so many people that knew me younger in my life, like, saw me as, like, such a boy crazy little girl. Yeah. And so I was, like, aggressively straight in people's heads. Um, And so it was, like, really hard for me to come out. Or even, like, bring up. Because I don't like coming out to people. It just, if it comes up, if it comes up in conversation, it comes up in conversation. And I'll just say it and move on. And I'm, like, also get, I think for me, like, gives me the space to not have to explain myself. And, like, let other people process on their own time. And it not be my responsibility, I think, is part of it. I'm, like, I'm I'm dating a man right now. And, like the way that I told him I was queer, I was nervous about it because, like, a few boys, like, liked me my freshman year of college and found out I was queer and then stopped liking me. And I was like, wow. it was That can happen, yeah. I was like, but in the moment, I was like, that was so convenient because I didn't like these people back. But I was like, oh, my God. Actually, yeah. Now I'm in this relationship with a man. Who, again, like, there's no way that he thinks that I'm not straight. Like because of like situational things and like I was like but I cannot make this a big deal because I don't want to like I don't want to be the person that's like oh it's okay if this is uncomfortable for you like let's talk through it like I did not want to play that role so I brought it up so casually I was like oh this girl that I hooked up with and then I moved on and he was like, oh, okay. And then, like, <laughs> and like three weeks later, like, when we were, like, I felt more comfortable with him. Um, I was like, you know, when I mentioned that, like, what did you think? 
because like after that point I made jokes about how I was gay like all the time and I was like you know like you would make a really beautiful woman and he was like yeah that's why you like me so much (laughs) um and then so like I revisited like me introducing it and I was like what did you think about that he was like no like I was just surprised like I was like what did you think when I said that and he was like I was like oh okay Mm -hmm. and I was like oh I was expecting you to do some like inner work and he was like no No. like and that's what no the bar (laughs) is so low because the expecting to do inner work is real but I'm like I'm glad that you're in a relationship with someone who wouldn't have to do that. Cause yeah, and I it was like, oh wow, I feel so validated in this like in this like yeah. setting. But I also like, it was like, it's like interesting for me that I had to do that, and like part of why yeah. I hate coming out is because yeah. I don't want to like work with people to to have to, them accept me. Yeah, like I need them to per- at least if it's fake, like pretend they accept me and like deal with it on their own, and like. Mm. I think, like, even when I came out to my parents, that was the only time I've ever come out, come out, being, like, hi, I'm Um, queer, like, I'm not straight, and, like, their response was, like, silence, because they needed to process, and for me, I was, like, good enough, they could process. Same, girl, I did mine on a fucking FaceTime. Oh, wow, me and my sister planned a game night, we came out together. That's beautiful. And then we were, like, halfway through the cards. We were, like, um, we want to talk about something. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really awkward. My one came out of nowhere, and I was, like, oh, okay. It was, like, five <laughs> minutes of, like, why aren't you saying anything? And we were, like, okay, bye. Yeah. And it's good to give people space. Culturally, it's, like, really important. That's, I think, what I want to stress. It can be really important for people. Yeah, I think, like, it was hard for my sister. Because, again, we were in, like, really, qu- like, white queer spaces in high school. And, like, <laughs> in those spaces, like, people are always, like, when you come out to your parents, like, these are the things you want to hear from them. Oh, yeah. we still love you so much. Like, blah, 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 Oh, or you'd see so many coming out videos on, like, YouTube or something. I was recommended that stuff before I was out, and I was like, this is a sign. Side note. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I would see, like, the ideal ways of people coming out to their parents. Yeah, and, and like, would, yeah. it's hard because, like, I don't think my parents even thought they had to say, I still love you. Same. Because they were like, obviously, like, we love you. But it was like, they never said it. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't obvious to my sister. And same. I, I really empathize with your sister because in that moment, I I think that was my, like, biggest fear. And so when they hadn't said anything, it was, like, reaffirming that. Mm-hmm. And it's not their fault. I think it's, like, how they're socialized, even mm-hmm. in general, to, like, like, I, I always tell people, like, my my dad gets my emotional side, but it's also, I think, taken, like, a very long time to, like, mm-hmm. get there yeah, and to express emotions. So, like, to assume that they'll be ready for that kind of level of vulnerability is just, mm-hmm. like, not the most realistic at some points. Yeah. I also, like, think about how, like, my parents became parents <laughs> so, like, when they were still kids, you yeah. know, like... And I, okay, so, like, I had this conversation with my dad and mom about this, and I was, like, when, because, like, we were talking about how, like, my mom was, like, a year older than me when she got married, and, like, my grandma was 19 when she gave birth to my aunt, and, like, and I was, like, you know what, like, you guys turned out fine, and that's because, like, when you're in a when you're like in a familial structure like that in India like I talk like hearing about my parents childhood and like my aunt uncle's childhood like 
And yes, their parents were like 18, their moms were like 18 or 19 when they gave birth to them, but they weren't just raised by their mom and dad. They were raised by their aunts, uncles, like grandparents. It's a whole network. It's a whole network raising a kid. Even when I visited India, like they, I was like 14. I got left alone with a child for like two hours just playing with, like people trust you to raise your children. So like, it's not all on the the two parents of the child to like create a whole functional human being. But then like as immigrants, you're like, you get married, you come to this country, you're like, you come to this country and get married at the same age or relatively the same age as your parents mm-hmm. did. And so like my mom gave birth to me and she was 25, I, like would never be emotionally prepared to raise a whole child when I'm 25. But like in a new country, in a new country, but like they had the same expectations placed on them in a new environment. And so then sometimes it's like hard growing up in like very white spaces where like white people have expectations for their parents yeah, who were much more adult when they gave birth to their kids. And also like we're talking about networks of support and like how like maybe that doesn't exist for white people as much in like, okay, individualist, which is collectivist societies or blah, 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 which yeah. yeah whatever uh, okay whatever Fake. but I, I i agree also <laughs> um but that's that's what i mean it's because they do like they're talking about like oh my grandma or my auntie or but and i'm like some immigrants literally have no one yeah like, there's no support whatsoever so yeah just reiterating no exactly and so like to expect like our parents to have like a level of emotional intelligence and like cultural literacy that like white people do yeah like, after generations of yeah and like you, but who is gonna tell them these things like yeah. i went to school and learned about queerness like in my school like yeah but i don't know like no i i have a very strong memory of like the first time i saw my parents interact with queerness and it was like traumatic because yeah. i was like they were so unlike what they are now and there had to be so much like learning through the process I, like it's like I'm just, like, I wish people would practice a little bit more patience. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, everyone should be patient with their their own parents necessarily because what you do in your family is, like, your business. Yeah. But when it comes to, like, kind of interjecting, I've had a lot of situations with, like, kind of friends who are not South Asian or from immigrant households, like, passing a sort of judgment onto my parents. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I can judge my parents. But you, you cannot. Can't. And then it's, like, almost like I'm put in a situation where I'm defending my parents harming me. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and they're, they're like, like oh, you, you have Stockholm Syndrome. I'm like, how fucking dare you, first <laughs> yeah. of all? No. No. Yeah, I really relate to that. Yeah. My mom, when I had come out to them, this is such a stretch. And, like, correct me if this sounds so wrong but like whenever there's like a not just about queerness but like in a lot of aspects of my identity when I like tell them I'm doing something that is out of the norm of what they were expecting or how they assumed they were raising me they take it so personal yeah yeah and I'm like I wish you would practice a little bit more patience with yourself and trust in me that, like, I can form my own identity and, and it not be, like, a bad thing. Yeah. But I also 100% empathize because I'm, like, how would you not take that personal when you were you were the sole, like, responsible, like, whatever yeah. of, like, me? And, no, yeah. it's, that's so true. And, like, I haven't thought about it in that way. Um, 
But, like, there's so many times where, like, me and my sister will get into arguments with my parents about something they said or did. And we'll be like, how? Like, we're telling you, like, this is not how you should be, like, saying these words or whatever. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's not how you should be talking about the situation or, like... And my mom is always like, this ism, that ism, you keep introducing more isms that we are. And I'm like, I'm not like, we're not saying you're racist. We're just saying like, say this differently. Like, and like, or like every time my sister does something like, I don't know, she got her nipples pierced and my mom like cried to me. And I was like, I'm not like, it's okay. No one's seeing her nipples like that. (laughs) (laughs) And if they are, like, they're not going to judge the nipple piercing. Right, right. And I'm like, or like us getting tattoos. I don't know. It's just like, my mom was like, what did I do wrong? And I'm like, you did nothing wrong. Yeah. I feel like it spills into this whole other cultural, like, aspect of my identity, that word vomit, where it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you like, feel like you're losing aspects of your culture Mm -hmm. and it like hurts, like a lot, like language religion like whatever it may be it like hurts a lot i'm like oh i'm probably hurting them by being this way or by being this way sorry but no and it's almost like revealing like a certain aspect of my identity like the same way that i feel like that whenever i like feel like i'm losing to like assimilation and like americanism like that's what they feel no i think about that and it's like I think, like, it's interesting because, like, my mom was so opposed to me getting multiple ear piercings, was really opposed to me getting a nose piercing, was really opposed to me getting tattoos. But then, like, as it was happening, she was like, you look more and more, more like and my... More south, yes. She was yes. like, you look like my grandma. Like, you look like my grandma. So I look like my great-grandma. And, like, she was like, your middle part, your, like, nose piercing, the, the ear piercings up, up my ear, like... Yeah. um my tattoos are really cultural, like, a lot of them, um, and she is literally, like, the jewelry I'm wearing, like, I have, like, the tattoo my sister gave me is, like, of a henna design, like, Mendy design, um, the ring I'm wearing right now, as Shrika is pointing out, (laughs) I'm touching her it's literally from India, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, like, I have a, like, I have a thumbnail tattoo on my collarbone, I have a Buddha tattoo on my forearm, my, like, my left bicep has, like, a, a tattoo of my grandma's arm yeah. made out of roses. Like, I don't know. Like, my my mom started realizing, like, oh. Like, yeah. these things that I thought were, like, really corrupted and Western are well, actually just, like, traditional. Traditional. And we're just, like, co-opted and blah, blah, blah. And now it's, yeah. like, wait. But, like, this is reminding me also to spin it back onto, like, gender and sexuality um, just a little bit more, like, focusedly or whatever. But you, like, earlier were talking about, like, oh, coming out to family. I can cut this part later if we need to. Um, and finding, like, more and more queer mm-hmm. bodies, like, exist. But, like, it being more, um, what do you call it? Like, like, people just being more comfortable to be out now perhaps because of that immigration process. Like, I was doing a lot of thinking about how, like, what we said earlier in this whatever, the podcast, about how so much of queerness was erased through the process of colonization. And when I was, like, prepping for this, I wanted to, like, read into it a little bit more. 
um, just because I feel like I'm not, like, the most knowledgeable on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, like, a lot, like, obviously not to say that, like, anti-queer, anti, like, trans rhetoric didn't exist prior to colonization, but it really was just, like, solidified during that process. No, for sure. And, yeah, I think, like, when we're talking about, like, our own family members feeling more, like, brave to, like, explore Mm -hmm. that aspect of their identity now, it's such an interesting, like, catch. You know what I mean? No, this is, it's so interesting to think about it. Um, because, like, my mom, when we were younger, would always be like, you know, we have two, like, in Hinduism, there are two male gods that have a son. Like, it's not inherently homophobic. It's just been used as a tool. Like, Hinduism has been used as a tool to do, like, very oppressive things. But if you look into the actual philosophy of the religion, it's not like that. My dad has always said this very similar things where, like, a lot of the time it's not about, like, religion. But it's how, it, like, religion is co-opted. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting um, to think about, like... I also have not done that much research on it, but, like... If you even look at, like, some of the ways, like, dance has been, like, co-opted through, like, Brahminism and colonialism, um, like, classical dance, which was, like... It's interesting because, like, the form of classical dance that I do was, like a courtesan dance form so like david Vasi, i oops cut that out wrong term it was basically like okay so the type of dance that i do is kuchipudi kalavantalu dancers were like the original like like embodiers of the art form um and they were like cast they were cast marginalized and brahmin men like took the dance form and made it like acceptable mm-hmm um socially because like Kalavantali women were seen as like very sexually fluid and like free and liberated and the dance sing embodied that in some ways where like there's lots of hip movements like it's a storytelling art form so um but Brahmin men co-opted it and it used to be an all-male art form until like two generations ago like my dance teacher's generation was like the first generation where women were dancing that Kuchipudi. um but men and it was like a dance drama so it would always be like three hour long like plays but mm-hmm. through dance and men played all the roles so then you see like these hip movements that I learn and even the way we hold out our chest is like embodying a man trying to play a woman <laughs> and it's so interesting because then it's like almost hypersexualized but it's acceptable because it's in a Brahmin man's body depicting a woman but then mm-hmm. as soon as it's like a woman doing that it's like gross um and like and like like I don't know so it's like interesting to think about how that might translate into like gender and sexuality in the Mm -hmm. same way where it's like it's it's not a like these like traditional like indigenous tribal art forms and like ways of like knowing and being I think that are reflected in art um kind of just like seen as almost like dirty and we understand we look at you and we conceptually are like okay yeah you're playing a woman if we understand that then it just shows so much of like how gender is fluid and yeah constructed like no exactly it's interesting but it's like yeah I think like 
circling back to like what you actually asked and I never answered (laughs) about like finding like queerness reflected in my generation and my family like as I was like express like being more open about my queerness and being reflected back to me from by other people like my sister and others and so I think like even in those experiences like a lot of those others are not out yet because they can't like it's hard to conceptualize queerness in western spaces in a south asian family and so like a lot of times like i've had someone be like oh yeah like yeah i would like be with a man and he's a man like yeah i would like fuck a man but i would never actually do it because like not in this setting you know like I was talking to someone, a friend, the other day who was also South Asian, and they were kind of hitting along the same thing. Like, they're in our generation and around a lot of queer bodies. Like, they could supposedly try to explore that aspect of their sexuality more, but they were talking about so much how, like, their family is just a part of their life that they're not willing to sacrifice. And if that means that that realm goes unexplored, yeah then it does and it's like it's really harmful like it's not harmful it's hurtful to like hear that like I wish it wasn't like that but I'm like I get it too (laughs) because I I really don't think I would have come out to my parents if my sister didn't need to and like I did it for my sister not for me Mm -hmm. um and I'm so lucky that my parents and like even when I was coming out to my parents like I knew they'd be fine with it because like so many of my friends in high school were queer like I came out to my parents after I went to college but I had known for a few years before I'd like accepted outwardly to people for a few years before that um and and because so many of my friends were queer in high school like my parents had to like deal with queerness in relation to me pretty like explicitly and so like I had lots of conversations with them about it and I knew they were like chill that's really nice I didn't know if they'd be explicitly chill about me because there were times yeah, where like, we would like have arguments and I'd be like sobbing and they'd be like, why are you taking it so personally? Are you gay? And I'd be like, like no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you were right on the money. I was going to say, like, I also think I could have gone a really long, longer part of my life not telling my parents that I was queer if it hadn't been for the fact that I was entering like woman love woman relationships Mm -hmm. non-hetero relationships and like even I remember when I was like introducing them to Suffolk which is such a queer coded space like I'd be like oh my friends are gay blah 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 like and I I was I was really comfortable with it even though I knew it could like borderline make them uncomfortable because I was like at the end of the day they're not going to say anything about other people like it's like one of those like when it comes down to, like, my kid type of things. Exactly. And, yeah, and, like, that was, like, the thing that, like, did me over the edge because I was, like, I have to. Like, now it's Mm -hmm. becoming way more relevant in my life. And I was just envisioning a future, like, okay, if I end up with someone who is not a man, like, I don't want to subject themselves, them, to certain types of harms. And so I think the work has to start now. And I remember, like, kind of leaning into it throughout high school, too, when I would see that certain family members, like, kids were in 
relationships with this isn't even queerness but it's so adjacent like to other Other races races or like cultural backgrounds because i was like this is like microdosing yeah like queerness in a way so i was like when you were saying that i was also thinking and like for the longest time i was like oh like whatever i'll just marry a man like not even a question like i'll just marry a man yeah knowing that i like liked women and like non-men like knowing that that wasn't a limitation I had to put on myself like if I wanted to like listen to me or whatever and so like for me like when I came out to my parents after a few months of them being like ha 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 them actually talking about me potentially ending up with not a man was what made it, like, real. a real possibility for me. And I just did not even accept that as a possibility in my brain until that happened. And I think, like, family is, like, so important to me. And I think it's linked to my South Asianness. It's, like, taught. Yeah. But also, like, I like that about myself. But it's also, like, I also think I play a role in my family where I my words hold a lot of weight. So, like... Yes, I give my family a lot of importance, but they also give me a lot of importance, which is, I think, lucky, but not always the case. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think when it comes to, like, such big parts of your identity, like, it's almost, like, normalized in South Asian spaces to not explore, like, parts of it just to, like, keep peace. Um, And I think, like, I've been lucky coming... Like, like you said, like, I'm Suppuk and queer these, like, I've been in, like, queer, like, South Asian, like, queer spaces where I'm, like, oh, it's possible and it's easy and not easy. Sorry. (laughs) It's possible and, like, it can be, like, normal and, like, good and, like, healthy and, um, I'm also lucky that my parents are chill. Yeah. But I still, like, don't know what would happen if I married a woman, like, who would be at my wedding, like, who knows? I was thinking about that this trip to Bangladesh because I was trying to take a little like radar check of like where everyone's at especially because I've been starting to get closer to a lot of my family abroad because I'm like one of the younger cousins so I feel like I have a lot of catch-up to do and I feel like I'm finally in in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that has to do with like how much I've aligned with my South Asian-ness on campus here like, I, I just have more to talk about with them. Not that the only thing we talk about is being South Asian, obviously. But it's, like, a huge, like, it's way to connect. It's a huge gate, yeah. gateway, yeah, into that. And so, yeah, it's really strange to think that, like, those relationships could be different in a few years to come. I remember once <laughs> when I was, like, 12 and in India, I was, like, talking to my cousin my older cousin at that time and all of his like friends from college so I was like 12 and they were in college and all of his like friends were like brothers to me too like they'd hang out at the house all the time I'd go out with them all the time and I was talking about like some female celebrity and I was like she's so I was 12 like I didn't even realize I was gay at that point like um I was like talking about this female celebrity I I don't remember who but I was like she's so pretty like blah 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 and I was like talking to my cousin's friend who like I see as like an older brother myself and I was like look at her and he was like are you like that you know like 
entamos. That. Are you like that type of girl? Like he was like implying gay. Yeah. And I was like, ha no, I just think she's really pretty. And I like was like so casual about it. And he was like, okay, good, good. Like that's all accepted in the US, but like here in India, like that we're not there yet. And I was like, uh, that's weird. And it like didn't affect me that much. <laughs> but I just like think back to that now that I'm like, yeah, I am that girl. Like, yeah. um, I think back to that conversation a lot because he means a lot to me and he'll always be like family to me. But it's like, yeah, you know what just dawned on me while you were talking? It's kind of a stretch, but it's a theory again. I feel like some of the reasons I've been so uncomfortable within my South Asian spaces to be perceived as masculine is because masculinity is more aligned with being queer for women, like stereotypically. Mm-hmm. And so I think I have like this rooted fear that people are just going to find out that I'm queer oh, before I so can come out to them. Because I'm, like, so much more masked than I think most of my cousins, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think it's, like, at the root of, like, a lot of... Like, at, originally, I was like, fuck you. Like, I'm a black. Which I am. Yeah. I'm like, fuck... Like, yeah, fuck you for trying to define what mask and femme even is for me. Yeah. But when I, like, dig a little deeper as well, I feel like that's where it, it comes down to. It's, like... I feel like I'm going to be found out. Yeah. Like, as someone who's, like, more interested in exploring different types of, like, presentations, they're also more likely to just be a part of a queer community as a whole, so. Yeah. Which they shouldn't be. No, really. They shouldn't have to be like that. It's so interesting because, like, I'm thinking about my current relationship right now and how, like, this is the first time... I've ever been with someone and that someone knows everyone in my life like mm-hmm. like has met them has met my friends has met my family like and I'm like and it's so weird because I was more nervous for him to meet my friends than I was <laughs> my family almost because he's like a nice South Indian boy you know I mean like he entered like a I think he was at f- my 14 formal first that was the first time he met my like south asian friends here yeah and like dance teams are like straight space like there's queer people on dance teams obviously like pulse is like half queer like i don't know i mean like but it's like not like a queer space necessarily so i was like oh me bringing a boy normal and fine but then like the next day he came to aisha's birthday party and like that was a very queer space like it wasn't supposed to be but like all of my friends that were there were queer Mm -hmm. and it was, like, most of my friends from Setbook, and I was so nervous. I was, like, this is over for me. Yeah, side like, note, you should never fear. No, I, it was But fine. we do. No, and I was, like, I spent so, like, it took me, like, almost two years to finally feel comfortable in, like, this queer South Asian space and feel validated in my queerness, and now I'm, like, bringing a boy, and I was, That's like, what I mean. That's why, like, these conceptions are so dumb you're not dumb no I and I like know that and I like even when I was talking about it I was like I'm in a straight relationship and then like I don't know if it was you or like it was in Philly so like you were there I think it was you you were like you're not in a straight relationship because you're not straight and I was like whoa (laughs) no I've always had a gripe with that like straight presenting sure 
I don't know. I find that very invalidating. Like, no, and like hearing you verbalize that did so much for me on the inside because I was like, you're fucking right. Like, my sexuality is not determined by who I'm with. And like, I'm lucky because he's like so acknowledging of my like queer. Like, I like something that I was really afraid of of being in a straight presenting relationship or like a relationship with a cis man is like as a straight man um is that like he just wouldn't see me as queer like he'd be like oh you're with me so like you're with a boy like you're straight in my head blah 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 and like I think I'm lucky that that isn't the case but I could see how like so easily that would be and like it's I think it's almost like validating when he like makes jokes about me like being with women or like gets jealous about other women as, as much as, as he does with like other men and I'm like oh thank god like you know I'm gay yeah. and that's important to me that you well, know that I'm gay. it's really important that you said that because it is I think in my experience a very unfortunate reality that like some of the people within South Asian spaces that have um what do you call it invalidated me the most or made me feel the most guilty were like my south asian male friends yeah um whether like i find that oftentimes like like the only way they'll accept it is if they think that we can both objectify women together yes oh my god like it's like when they think i'm gonna be like toxically masculine or whatever the no, fuck exactly. otherwise it's like not a real aspect of my identity that like should be no literally discussed. it's like okay whatever like yeah every girl's a little gay i'm like shut up no and like um, so i don't know if you remember like my freshman year friend group but like there's a joke like oh Neha's one of the boys and like i was like okay cool like i'm friends with men um but, like, also, so much of that was, like, okay, so you're not going to be into us. So, like, be into other women with us. Or, like, talk about other women with us. No. And, like, I was, like, I, I, I mean, don't like, want to. maybe. Like, with some, sorry. Sure. No, and, like, you but know, like, like some no. of my, my, of course I talk about, like, women I'm into with my friends. Like, yeah. or women I find beautiful with my friends. But I'm not going to talk to you about women I'm into because you're a man. Like, I'm Yeah, not... <laughs> exactly. And, like, the way men talk about girls is, like gross a lot of the time not every like not every time (laughs) yeah but like um it was like interesting because I like suddenly like in the spaces where my in the south asian in my friendships with south asian men where my queerness was validated like you said they started talking to me about other women in ways where I was like no slow years slow down like (laughs) chill i'm also like just because i'm like out to you doesn't need, mean we like have to talk about like sex yeah like, you know, i feel like a lot of people will treat like discussions of sexuality as a gateway to talking about sex and i'm like that's not like it, it can be for a lot of like i think there can be a way to do that in like a healthy way of like exploring and blah 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 like, yeah whatever but like that's not the immediate conclusion that we should be jumping to. That's just a side note that I feel like. No, I agree. I agree. And it's like I just I haven't just had that experience with men though. There's been a lot of like women who like immediately take that as a like they buy-in. embody that role. Yes, ta- I've noticed this a lot, especially in like the South yes. Asian yes queer yes. community. Like so many South Asian queer women 
suddenly to like feel validated in their queerness embody a lot of like toxic masculinity almost that you see in like the south asian space in general and like it's like hard to be like why are you giving so much power to these men in your life i think it's hard because it's almost like i don't want to blame you because i like understand why you're doing it almost because you're like finally feeling validated by men in a way where they're not sexualizing you or like you finally find a comfortability in like how you're presenting but that's the only way that you've been shown to mm-hmm. present masculinity because i think yeah. if we're being 100 there's so much of like south asia and their concepts of masculinity that are like so fucked up yeah. like the inherent like misogyny that's ingrained post-colonialism but and pre-colonialism Pre-colonial. into the culture that makes it so that when like south asian queers go and try to like align themselves with masculinity it becomes so toxic i'm sure that's true of a lot of cultures as well yeah yeah that's why i really side note feel like i like bought into the hyperfem constructions of like this is also totally could be a phase and like things shift in and out no yeah but like someone someone else had actually brought up that label when describing like me and like how i present and i was like remember feeling like euphoric in that moment because i was like wait you think i'm femme like, you Aww. think I'm femme. And I was like, because I've just simply never had yeah. someone say that to, like, my face before. Um, but I think that, like, the reason, again, that I didn't feel femme was, like, so much rooted in, like, my South Asian-ness. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, I actually want to take back what I said earlier because I think a lot of the ways that I'm trying to discover femininity now are slowly starting to rely on, like, what I see from, like, my mom or mm-hmm. my grandmas and, like, I don't know. I had a really hard contention with, like, like hair means a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, my grandma has, like, super long hair. And, like, everyone knows her by, like, how well she, like, takes care of her hair and, like, no. oils it and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And so I feel like the most, like, I know there's a lot of, like, things that come up in conversations here where it's, like, oh, femininity being tied to hair can be, like, a very, like, restrictive thing. And that a lot of people to feel more validated in their, like, pre- presentations while I cut their hair and I have like a deep urge to do that as well where I want to like shave my head like I've been saying this forever and just like feel whatever Mm -hmm. sense of liberation that people Mm -hmm. are talking about but I'm also like yeah my femininity is tied to my hair and my long hair but I don't want to let that go because it's also tied to my grandma yeah my South Asian-ness and so that's so real oh my god you're like verbalizing things that I think I have also felt and like um I had really long hair as you know um and I chopped it all last year Mm -hmm. and I cut it again over winter break to be like short and shoulder lengthy and obviously like I don't think I could ever shave my head because of like the reasons you are articulating just now but even just like cutting it so much like hearing about my mom and my grandma like their hair I was, like, my long hair, like, I actually felt so connected to that. And, like, the first reason I chopped it was because my hair got, like, super damaged. And I was, like, I want to cut it and, then like, grow it out healthy. Yeah. And then I cut it again because I was, like, oh, my hair got so long, so I'm going to cut it again. And then I, after I cut it, I was, like, I shouldn't have done that. Because it was actually healthy. I, I want to keep growing it I out I also want to say Neha's been wearing her hair natural a lot more frequently i feel like i've noticed i have you've inspired me the curls 
the waves yeah, they're out I yeah i didn't realize i had uh that type of hair texture until i cut my hair because i just like, oh yeah brushed it um and i thought that all the frizziness at the bottom was due to damage um i was just like brushing the top of my hair was like weighed down so it was like straighter and then the bottom of my hair was curly but i was brushing it out and so i thought it was just like super damaged because yeah. it was like a completely different like it was like rougher and frizzier than the top part of my hair and oh my i was God. like oh i'm brushing out curls because i cut it why are we talking about hair? anyways it's important <laughs> um oh I'm yeah d- okay. hair tied to gender gender back on gender mm-hmm. it's been real wait so we have like 10 more minutes i'm gonna cut it off because we i feel like can talk for like hours about it um but i i feel like i want to circle back to gender and ask you a very personal question and feel free to veto it um but you were talking a lot about more like gender fluidity and like i want to just like get your 411 there like what's going on if you want to talk about it no it's interesting because i feel like i never explored my gender like that because i feel very comfortable being perceived as like a woman and i feel very comfortable in my femininity so i was like that's good enough and then um i was like talking more with like you guys like friends i mean like more generally my sister and like i was talking about how linked my like femininity is to my um like race and ethnicity and like i just wouldn't i was always like told i was very feminine and i was always told that i was like kind of girly so i was like oh yeah i am um but then I was like, no, I'm not. Like, I don't think I am at all. And I think also learning some of the ways that I embody, like, aspects from my dad. Like, I think it's weird because, like, my ideas of femininity and masculinity and, like, man and womanhood are, like, really directly tied to my parents and how they embody those two things. Yeah. And I, I feel think, like, like that's a really good, like, foundational preface of, like, that's how you define. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, that's important. And I think that, like, growing up, I was always told, like, you're very feminine, you're very girly. And then my, I was always told, you're so much like your mother, you're exactly like your mom, you're like this, like that. So I was like, oh, yes, I embody, like, all of these qualities. And I think, like, in the past, like, few years, I've been just, like, realizing how similar I am to my dad. And how, like, sometimes I navigate, like, a lot of social spaces in the same way that, like, a man is socialized to do because I like learned so much from my father and I I think also like the way that I shop and dress is like really influenced from my dad by my dad for some reason and like in my head I'm like that's so confusing to me because like I'm realizing I'm not as girly or as feminine internally as I've been told that I am um and there's some things that are like I guess we're taught are inherent to like femininity mm-hmm. and like womanhood that like make mm-hmm. me deeply uncomfortable to embody myself. And that, like part of me is like, is that like internalized sexism that I have to like unwork? Like how much I thought of about it, that too. How much of that how much of it is that? And then how much of it is like oh, like there's parts of me that don't f- fully feel like feminine or don't fully feel like a woman. And I part of me like hasn't fully explored that so I'm like not taking on like a gender fluid label or like and I don't think I'm ever gonna be in a position where I change my pronouns because like for me like pronouns aren't for me they're for other people and I literally don't just like side note I feel like 
pronouns and gender do not have to be like, no related, exactly so. and that's why for me I'm like pronouns are for other people and I don't care about that yeah. like my pronouns are not directly linked to how I feel that's personally just for me <laughs> um not for like everyone but for me so it's like I think like my gender exploration is like more personal to me and also a way for me to like learn more about my relationship to my family and like kind of the roles that I want I think like there's a huge part of me that like refused how to learn how, like refused learning how to cook and I was like I'm not gonna cook and then I learned that my dad cooked a lot and I was like I will cook. I will in fact I'm dead <laughs> and I was like I'm so stupid for that like really stupid because I need the life skill of cooking but it was also like that was like definitely internalized it was, like, me thinking yeah. I was being feminist, but, like... I, I will... Yeah, I will say, like, that aspect of the... I really appreciate being South Asian sometimes because of how much of a nuance it adds to, like, my understandings of what it means to be masculine and feminine. Because similar to you, I think I define them in terms of, like, what I see my parents doing. But because they are not Americans, like, there are certain things that Bangladeshis will do, and it's, like in America might be coded a certain way, but it's just not in Bangladesh. So, for example, like, my dad's a huge writer. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that men in America, like, don't write, but he, like, is really into, like, poetic writing and, like, pouring your emotions out that way. He's a very, like, emotionally in-touch person now. And I think that's largely just an effect of, like, me learning that, like, Bangladesh, Bengali is a very poetic language, and written Bangla is very different than spoken in that like Mm -hmm. people just get so like emotionally like intimate and that's why I'm like oh like maybe I associate that with a sort of like not even like masculinity because my dad does it but like non-gendered form that like I've been able to like want to dive more into as a means of exploring like again South Asian-ness one and gender expression yeah and like very similarly as like a like, I don't know how to explain this. Like, there's a lot of things that my mom does that are very, like, inherent to her growing up in Bangladesh and, like, needing to be stronger. And so she, like, embodies certain tactics that I think wouldn't be traditionally accepted here but just You're are so right. normalized in my household because I'm like, what do you... Like, I see her... She needs to do it to, like, survive. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's so true. And I feel like because, like, I've had similar experiences, like, with my, like, concepts of, like, gender and, like, masculinity, femininity, like, I've then, like, when I'm in these, like, very American spaces, like... It's the same I, thing as feminisms. I just, like, don't relate to the white woman. And I think, like, there's, like, parts of me where I'm, like, I relate. I, like, can identify more with the brown man than I can the white woman. Yeah. So then, like, what does that mean? Like, how important is, like, my gender then? Like, I don't know, like, or how tied is it? Like, how isolated is gender for me? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I, like, it it leaves me wondering. I'm like, there's so much I don't know about gender, sexuality, feminisms, blah, blah, blah. And 
like let alone in general but even just within south asianness like in researching like it's not even like studied like it's people don't document it and i think that's not necessarily a bad thing but it leads me to like the idea of like like i've been thinking a lot lately about how much more i want to be involved and like active in like queer spaces and queer communities Mm -hmm. when i graduate because i think there's a reason those things aren't documented because it's like it's embodied through people's like lived experiences and explorations and like you just have to like get out there on a side note like I'm related to this podcast um I like part of why I like really want to move to Philly is because I'm like oh Krithi and Trina are there and like I'll have like a queer community that a queer community of color that I I yeah can have yeah and like I don't know how to seek that out in other places no it scares me as well but I think a testament might be like you found Krithi and Trina this is true I did. You can find community. I'm saying this to you when I had the exact same anxieties. Yeah. But, like, I'm feeling like I'm seeing you. Mirror reflection. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm like, I I really believe that. Like. Yeah. No, I think it'll be good. And, like, the nice thing is, is, like, okay, yeah, we might not end up, like, super close to each other proximity-wise. Like, all, like, you and, like, all of the other, like, queer South Asian friends that I've made. But, like knowing that you guys are always, like, a safe place for me is, like, nice. Like, I will always have this queer South Asian community, which is nice. I'm so grateful for it. Me too. Um, Yeah. Which leads me into a different aspect podcast-wise of just, like, giving shout-outs and things. Community is really important, like, what you're talking about. And I want people who are actively seeking a community or think they might want to, like, discover community to know that there are spaces for you to do that on campus. So, for other queer South Asian Tufts University folks who are listening in, we've talked about queer daisies a few times throughout this podcast, but if you're unfamiliar or scared of joining, here is your calling. Queer Daisies is a program that runs out of the Women's Center, LGBT Center, and the Asian American Center around bi-weekly, and they host space for queer daisies to gather in community, talk about and help each other digest issues specific to this intersectionality, the nuance of being queer within our diaspora, but also to just bool out and exist in a space comfortably together. They've done programs like clothing swaps, Valentine's Day craftings, regular bondings, and most recently, a henna night. So please, please, please check us out online for more information to join us. The more the merrier, and we'd love to see everyone there. Otherwise, Neha. I do want to thank you again. We did just like have a conversation, no, but we're... we were on a podcast. And this is true. I like thank you for coming on. Is there anything you want to say to everyone? Kind of a to all the fans. Yeah. Um. No, I don't think I have anything I want to say. Just like thanks for listening, listening to me. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like a podcast, and I was like, I think I need to have like fully fledged thoughts, and I came here with no fully fledged me thoughts. Neither. So, me thanks neither. for putting putting up with it, yeah. sitting through it. If you're we bounced here. around a lot, and like. I always preface or like end I should say with this is like if there's anything you disagree with or things that you guys think we should work on like please provide feedback and yes. we would love to learn and like this podcast is kind of awkward setup wise because it's like two people talking with no immediate direct line of communication back but like I'm trying to establish that here and now by saying this that like yes this doesn't exist in isolation and And we're far from perfect people yeah but yeah obviously 
but this that's why we were solely speaking to our own experiences and hope that it would like encourage y'all to think about yours as well but yeah. yeah. Also, hit me up if you want to continue this conversation. Say that, say that. Hit me up at Neha underscore on Instagram. Just text me. Like, if you don't have my number, get my number. Get my number. <laughs> I'm always down to make new friends and to talk about being queer yeah. and South Asian. Me too. Or anything else. If you just want to chit chat. I would want to ask Okay, bye. Peace. Bye.